In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. Listen to the Verhoeven Effect podcast. I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. And I'm just a little, I'm not sure housekeeping's the word, but whatever up front is like, we have a new logo for the show. Nice. Which is the, uh, and soon to be a t shirt whenever that happens. I was hoping to get it out before Black, for before today, but oh well. So I guess an explanation, it's just a VHE. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't really make sense because it's like, well, where do you get the H from? It's like, I don't know. There's an H in Verhoeven. Yeah. This <laughs> is how acronyms work. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally I was making the, well, I, originally I was doing research on the VHS logo. Okay? And so I'd be like, all right, VEP, Verhoeven Effect Podcast. But, and I I found the font for the VHS logo and it is super weird. It's like the V, H, and S are the only things that look normal in that font. <laughs> like the e is super weird it's got like the like the center like kind of stick of the e and it's like and like really low down on for some reason it has lots of weird curves on it oh what's that font uh, called is that like frankenheimer font or something um well let me here i'll have to pull up well I, I just i have weird fonts that i import all the time because there's whole websites dedicated to the strangest print yeah. font and i have a bunch of them on my word processor and I just put them in there just to see what all the letters look like. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. It's like, well, this really works until you get to like P. Then it gets <laughs> yeah. odd. It's like, why does it look like a like a, a Greek alphabet thing all of a sudden? And it's like, what, yeah. what what's the style choice there? Why does it? Uh, why do the K's have little crowns at the top of all the K points? <laughs> None of the other characters do that except the L. So. Or you look like, you know, like Blade Runner, that's a cool font. And then you try to write other things with it. And it's like, I guess Blade Runner is the only thing that works. Yeah, it's it's why it was invented. <laughs> we're doing we're doing it live. <laughs> yeah, we're just hunting it up. I mean, one of my favorite is there's one called uh, Cyrillic Bold English. <laughs> because it's not, it's like you type a word in English and then it makes some of the characters backwards and puts little dots on it. But it's in English. But it just looks like it was like written by a Russian who didn't understand all the. Uh, they did that in Hunt for Red October. That's actually what that script is based on, because it kind of changed. Remember when because the they had like American words, but a couple of the letters were backwards, so it looked foreign at the same time. And um, yeah, yeah, I have some fonts like that, uh, and then I have the old German fonts, like the real old German fonts, and some of those are strange. It looks like uh, like you're reading a medieval book. I love Adobe products. They are the best. <laughs> At your door, nineteen ninety five a month. Oh, I wish. Oh, that's fifty nine ninety nine, Nathan. Oh my god, that was student prices. That was nineteen ninety nine a month, but now I'm no longer a student. It's now sixty dollars a month. Wow. 
Aren't we always keep... students, though, in our hearts? Yeah. <laughs> I learn something every week. I guess, I guess technically I am a student again, so. <laughs> but true, yeah. Go put that in. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I guess I'm afraid to cancel it. I'm afraid to, like, not cancel and cancel at the same time. It's like, this is so much money. This is, this is $720 a year. And it's great stuff. And technically i could make money with it but i don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is why when i have to do anything creative it's always hack and i'm like cutting letters out and like pasting them onto a page and then taking pictures of them to make it look (laughs) cool and depth because i don't well number one i don't have a the best imagination and two i just i I'm, i'm always like oh there's a product that makes that look that way cool how much is it and then i'm immediately trying to find a workaround because it's like, I'm not paying that. And plus, I was never trained how to use stuff like that, so it would really be kind of pointless. It's like all the guys in modeling that are getting into the 3D stuff. It's like, oh, you should look at this. You should look at that. It's like, no, you should. You're an engineer. You figure it all out, and then I'll pay you to print the, the five things I'm going to need. Because some people get they get into like 3D uh, printing for model parts and they want to build like giant dioramas of like, you know, the fall of Paris or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you just spent a thousand dollars to spend 10,000 and it's all just hobbyist stuff. So it's like, you're not going to get paid for that. Might end up in a museum if it's good enough, but you know, then they won't have the right color faux brown on the, you know, the, the outfits that the citizens are wearing and we'll all be like, ah, oh, it's trash. Some people love doing that. That's garbage because this one thing's wrong. <laughs> I'm running out of things to talk about, giving you enough runway to find this. I, I'm, I'm literally on the font, and I don't know how to like pull up the properties to tell me what it is. Oh. <laughs> well, it is a good-looking logo, nonetheless. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like the font I'm going to tell you about isn't even the font we're using in the logo. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the logo we're using the font is called like Dameron. <laughs> so is Elon Musk going to let us back on Twitter? I guess <laughs> everyone's coming back. I don't think we were ever off Twitter. I think I've sent 15 tweets in my life. There's more effective ways to argue with total strangers. Um, it's called going to the bar. But I can find this. I made this. I started working on this uh, logo like eight months ago, so I had to download the font. So I bet if I look in my downloads, it'll probably be there somewhere. This interlude brought to you by Adobe Create. And anyways, why? Well, yeah, we. I wish I got sponsored, so I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, because like I'm not sure if they do this anymore, but it was horrible. One time I canceled. I was like, all right, this is too much money, and they charged me hundred and eighty dollars for canceling. That's nice. Cause I had like three months left and like, apparently it was like, you know, one of those contracts that you can't, you can't argue oh. with. And I <laughs> apparently didn't read. So I was like, Oh, never again. Like that's horrifying. Like I need to cancel this to save money. And you just cost me way more money. But then I had to do it again for, for something we we're doing. So, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think I was thinking it was for a school project. Yeah. Cause Adobe has some cool, powerful stuff, but it is expensive. And I guess technically it's like, more affordable than what it used to be because every one of their programs used to be like, well, that's a one cost $2,000 and here you go. <laughs> yeah, like CAD programs from the 80s that cost like companies had to buy the software for like $60,000. <laughs> yeah. And then it only worked with their machines and yeah, it was always, that was an amazing time. I was watching something on the History Channel about like Atari and the creation yeah. of like cart media and early video games and stuff and 
it's like the processor costs for it's like oh this is ungodly expensive for the time you know and it was like a processor that you like your watch has 10 times the or a thousand times the power that that thing did and it also costs more i think this is it it's called lester bold regular lester bold regular <laughs> yep that's it hey fonts are fun <laughs> especially when you like yeah yeah it's yeah, it's lester bold it's regular so especially when you get into like you know like trying to recreate stuff from movie props and it's like what font <laughs> was that and then you find it and it's like a miracle it's like a revelation <laughs> Well, sometimes people do the you know do the nice work of stealing other people's intellectual property and just making their version and putting it up for free because some of the stuff like you'd have to like buy a license for it, but I yeah. have not had to buy a license for font yet. So there's that. It's just cool um, that there's like a there's a guild of fonters out there. Yeah, that are always making. I don't know how it's organized, but they're always making new fonts. <laughs> yeah, people are keep trying to beat out. Um, oh, what's the one? What's the What's like the Uber font? Times New Roman? No, it's Apple, or Apple uses it a lot. It's like, oh man, I can't remember it. Apple Chancery? No, it doesn't have Apple in it. It just oh. Apple uses like Helvetica? I think it's Helvetica. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Something about it is just like really nice and clean. And I believe Apple has it, but micro, Microsoft Word does not have it. And their closest thing is like Arial. <laughs> Oh, okay. And I forget the whole thing about it. There's like a there's like a whole documentary about it. It's called Helvetica, and it's just like you know, it does this, and it's like less a strain on your eyes and stuff like that. Because uh, the other thing I know about fonts is there's 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 usually two types of fonts. There's serif fonts and sans serif fonts. And serif just means there's a top on it, like Times New Roman, where they connect together, which. Writing in Times New Roman is good for when you have like long paragraphs because your eye naturally like separates each sentence. Okay. Um, but sometimes it can be a strain. So then you have sans serif fonts, which don't have tops like that, uh, which I believe Helvetica is one of those or whatever Uber font I'm thinking of. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so I didn't like very the very special v episode of Fontcast. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like I didn't like the way the VEP looked for Verhoeven Effect podcast. And then uh, Nathan will send a file over, and he started. I think maybe I was talking about like I wanted to make it look like a VHS log or something. He started labeling the the files VHE. I was like, well, that looks a lot cooler than VEP. And like, you know, there's the V at the start, there's an H in, in the middle there, and then you and then you end with E. Like, it's a natural sorry. pause. Verhoeven. <laughs> Yeah, H is like it's like the plateau in the middle of two points you're swimming. It's you know if you're swimming across the English Channel, you find that one rock. That's the H, and now the second hey. part of our journey. Yeah, you'll have to refer to the podcast. This is the Legend Podcast, special episode twenty six, where they explain the plot. When somebody goes, "What's VHE stand for?" and go "Vero effect," and they go, "Oh," and then they go, "That doesn't make sense," and politely don't quote don't call you on it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't that one? Uh, didn't the fatter one make up a story about that? Oh, who cares? He's always making up stories. <laughs> guy's mostly bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, it's just there because I like the way it looks, and it's kind of vaguely mimics a VHS logo, although not at all. Actually, it looks more like a THX logo. <laughs> yeah, it's very colorful. I try to do stuff with orange and 
blue because it's that's better for people that are colorblind but uh, it's kind of all over the place but anyways i was working on it for months i wasn't happy with uh because i was doing student tutorials to try to make stuff and then ultimately i just said screw it and put it out there so yeah <laughs> there's more things i wanted to do with the logo but that's the motto of our show. Screw it. Put it out there. <laughs> Don't torture Well, it's better than what I had, which was just some clip art that Anchor FM had available, and it was just kind of like vaguely grayscale figure thing and then just white text, Verhoeven effect. So I'd say it's better than that. So Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It looks like 80s, 90s type action yeah. fonts and, you know, it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could put it like, uh, yeah. I, I think I've probably tried to do like, well, the obvious thing is just to get the RoboCop font, but I think then again, there, the V's didn't look right. <laughs> so, although the word RoboCop is a very curvy word, so VHE is a very straight edge word. Yeah. Letters, so, <laughs> so anyways, that's out there. So, anyways, the movie we're doing yeah. is the uh very special episode uh, i wrote down 1986 because that's when it was released in america but it was originally released in like august in france in 1985 of course it was <laughs> um apparently the delay to the release is jerry goldsmith did a version of the soundtrack that that universal didn't like and so they got tangerine dream to do it for america and so that's why it was delayed for the american release <laughs> That's weird. They like pulled the plug on a Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. <laughs> okay, but that that soundtrack is still in like the European cut of the movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you know what version you saw? I'm saw. I just saw the one Amazon. So pretty through. It's just the theatrical cut. So I mean, I I the most recent one I saw was a theatrical cut. Okay. Uh, I don't have. I don't. I didn't go full Blade Runner on this, where it's like I'm going to buy every version of this. Yeah. Uh, I've actually seen this about five times. This the for the show, this would be the fifth time. So it's, um, I don't necessarily hate it. It's just kind of like I don't know. This is going to be one of those things. Like for the Verhoeven effect thesis, this is one of those Ridley Scott's movies of that time where it's like all style over substance. It's going to be yeah. really hard to like pull out uh, tease things out of it as a viewer. But uh, yeah, I've I've seen this like five times, and you know, I was kind of liked it. It was well, of... some yeah. Sometimes you choose a movie because it's like that was unheralded, and here we are to herald it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes we choose a movie because it's supposed to be good, and we're just like, is it really? Um, and sometimes you choose a movie because like it's a movie I, I almost saw, <laughs> so let's watch. <laughs> so this is a movie I almost saw a bunch of times because it was just it was constantly in reruns, but I never sat down and watched it. Also. I, there's probably things I confuse it with because there's a lot of things and scenes that look very similar to like Never Ending Story. Yes. Or even like Kroll. Yes. This was shot on uh, the same set as Kroll eventually. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure like those all ran together. I, I get those also, those movies, I never sat down and watched them like front to back. Uh, but I've seen, you know, you, if you see the boomerang and crawl, it's like that's the best part because that's what yeah. you're there to see. It's like, what's this thing? It's cool. <laughs> spider rang or something <laughs> well i thought it was just called kroll but apparently the planet's called kroll or or the evil's called kroll or something's called kroll or or everything's called kroll i don't know i never watched the movie all the way through again so uh which usually why i never watch these movies all the way through is because i'm i get very bored easily of fantasy movies yeah they can be tough 
<laughs> Especially when you're like me and you're a young kid, young man, you're thinking everything's Lord of the Rings. It's like, oh no, there's yeah. only one Lord of the Rings. The rest of this stuff is just weird. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even have that. I just, I think I just get impatient with it because, at least in sci-fi, when bull magic stuff happens, somebody has to explain it. Like there's science to it. Yeah. And in like fantasy movies, things can just happen because magic exists. They don't like explains like, well, it's taking life force and doing this. Like, no, it's just magic. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have rules. It just happens. They got magic. That's all that happens. <laughs> Which in like, you know, kind of cheaper movies that just gives them a leeway to do whatever they want. It's like, oh, we couldn't afford this set. So, oh, well, we'll just quickly put this thing together where they magically transported to a different scene. Yeah. Um, the old magic transition. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did that stuff in Star Trek too, where it's just like, oh, we can't afford this. I'll just do this, and then we'll make up some science. But again, they did the work of making up the science. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't some like, how are they going to solve this problem? Oh, random, unrelated, and nonsensical thing will solve the problem. It's like, ah, yeah, now I'm invested in the story. <laughs> And again, that's still a problem in sci-fi. I just accept their garbage explanation. Yeah, they're, they're they're at least trying to do some work. Uh, we start out with a text scroll, which is usually not a good thing. But being this is a Ridley Scott movie, it's like, oh, welcome home. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we should uh, read out the. All right, yeah, it was released in April eighteenth, nineteen eighty six, in America, uh, a month before Top Gun came out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if that helped. It didn't seem so. It seemed like this movie cost 26 million and they made 25 million so. yeah and it cost more but, than they planned because they had all kinds of disasters yeah. like the james bond set in england burning down halfway through <laughs> production tom cruise's father dying suddenly uh there, there was a few things that happened on the in the making of this movie yeah because they started production in like 1984 and then they didn't get released in america till like 86 so. yeah although starting production means very different things it's like sometimes that means like we started writing it and sometimes that means like that's day one of shooting <laughs> yeah uh yeah directed by ridley scott uh of course of uh, we'll get to it eventually that will have to be the very specialist episode of alien because that's one of nathan's favorite movies and touchstones and why Nathan can tell you why everything doesn't compare to Alien. Yeah. <laughs> or does compare, but not well. I think that's one of your masterpiece movies, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, you have a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> I mean, early Ridley Scott is I have a lot to talk about. Uh, but yeah, Alien is definitely like uh, an immersive movie uh, on many levels. I always thought that this was like in between Alien and Blade Runner because I know because you, I end up seeing a lot of the uh, director's cuts and final cuts of Blade Runner, and there's a lot of unicorn stuff in those movies. And I was like, and then like, there's always trivia. It's like, this is from Legend, so I assumed <laughs> Legend was shot before Blade Runner, but it wasn't. No, it's for all the re-releases they put the stuff back in, or they put this stuff from Legend into that. Yeah, which is weird. Oh yeah, because there is stuff. There is stuff. There is like the unicorn statue that he put in there, but the uh like the the dream sequence he put in later was uh in the re-releases of it so it wasn't in the the original yeah it was kind of also his frame of mind too is he's got to remember this was like this was the movie after blade runner with a long production cycle and there was also like this was in his like i didn't get to make dune because 
I just couldn't do it thing, you know, because yeah. it was such a mess. And so there was a lot of those ideas knocking around at this time too. It's like, oh, I'm just going to create a kind of a fantasy, dark fantasy film based on like some Brothers Grimm stuff, but essentially like I'm just telling my own story. Yeah, a dark and, Disney tale. <laughs> yeah, and this was at a time when, I mean, they were just shoving fantasy movies out. You, you yeah, had, they were you bankable. Had, you had like Conan the Barbarian. Uh, you had um, there was a bunch of there was a bunch of yeah, animated Red Sonya. stuff. <laughs> yeah, Red Sonia. Um, I'm trying to think of what else like Beastmaster. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of things. Sword and sorcery, or yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, something like that. And then they had the one with the the dragon, dragon slayer. Yeah. Like, I mean, this didn't all come out the same year, but these were all within five years of this one way or another. Um, oh, what's Lady Hawk and stuff like Lady that. Lady Hawk. Then you had some animated stuff like the last unicorn. <laughs> um, there was, yeah, there was a lot of like, they just don't make these anymore. Well, not as movies. They make them as like the uh, TV series and stuff, but, but not a lot of pure um, fantasy. Not unless it comes from an actual series of novels. They won't just like, yeah, make up your own. Like, you don't see that anymore. It has to be some bankable thing. Yeah. yeah. Like Game of Thrones or The Wheel of Time, if you like that. <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing now. I mean, basically, now directors are really just starting writing novels so they can make films based on their own successful novels. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. It's, it's like a backup. It's like it was bankable here, it was bankable there, which is surprising. They're going back to that because that's what they thought the original Dune is like. They sold so many copies of this book. There's no way we can lose. It's like, oh yes, there is. (laughs) You'll prove it. Um, Yeah, it's like this sold millions of copies. Yeah, but there's billions of people in the world that haven't heard of this thing. (laughs) And also, we're not going to make a super faithful reproduction of it either. Uh, cinematographer Alex Thompson, who weirdly enough also shot Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. He did the uh, the remake movie of The Saint. Okay. Yeah, he, there's some things where he has like camera operator stuff rather than the cinematographer. So, looks like he was like more a famous camera operator on bigger stuff, and then got to do uh, cinematography for smaller stuff. I ain't sure if he's British. He's got to be British. Yeah, this was a very British heavy production. <laughs> I mean, it was shot over there, so. Uh, written by William Hortzberg, who I thought like, oh, he's got to be Swedish, but he's like from New York. <laughs> okay. Did this, and he did like uh, Angel Heart. That's for his two big movies. Okay, I can see. Okay, I'm familiar with that movie. I can see the connection. Uh, and that's it. I mean, he has like two other ones, but there's like Thunder and Lightning, which is like I don't even know what that is, but it's in the '70s. Seemed like some kind of like weird buddy thing. <laughs> but he only has yeah four credits to his name, or at least an internet movie database. So. It starred Tom Cruise, Mia Sarah, and Tim Curry, <laughs> and a bunch of other British people makeup. <laughs> it's almost hard to call like Tim Curry because it's like yeah, he's got that voice, but they're also put doing an effect on it. And then he's also in makeup, but he's still, it's like, yeah, it's Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a, just the weirdest version of him. Uh, and apparently, like, apparently there's something weird where it's like to save budget. They wanted to shoot it on, like, 70 millimeter to give it, like, a much bigger scale or to it. Um, but apparently they couldn't do that. So then they just hired, like, the smallest people they could to put next to Tom Cruise. So then then they could just make everything look bigger <laughs> with just smaller actors. Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> oh let's not forget robert picardo 
Oh, yeah. Played the swamp demon thing <laughs> that was going to eat them. That, you know, the only time Tom Cruise used his sword. Yeah. But again, I think, yeah, we watched the theatrical release. Uh, and I, I guess I should have known it's a Ridley Scott movie. So there's going to be 400 other editions of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So there's an extended like cut that adds like an hour and a half or adds an hour to it. And again, like, cause I just threw this on here as a whim is like, ah, I never seen that movie. And again, I think it's like the eighth movie we've done. That it's part of the arrow video collection. There's a special edition that arrow video put out. So, Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that they seem to do good stuff. Like they're, they're kind of like a lesser criterion collection, but they do good work. They just kind of have like their filmography is very kind of, niche or it's like a lot of horror films and stuff like that but occasionally you get some like just you know cult classics and unheralded you know good movies so oh okay just kind of pay attention to them more because their stuff usually seems to be cheaper than criterion collection right. as well <laughs> so yeah there's like an there's like a two and a half hour version of this movie that's Again, like akin to what you talk about, Ridley Scott, where he's just trying to make Paradise Lost over and over again. Yeah. So apparently, that's the the extended version is just more Paradise Lost. <laughs> yep. The unicorns are the apple of knowledge in the Garden of Good and Evil. It's like, Although here they do literally have an apple. <laughs> yeah, they actually, yeah, so. they actually offer one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're back at the text scroll. <laughs> Sorry, get lost. You know. Uh, I didn't realize that there was a co audio commentary, so I did a lot of other research I could to try to make up for it. The skull was talking about there's a, like a battle between light and darkness, and uh, darkness, who's like a literal person, ran away to gather strength to come back and banish light. Uh, light is apparently stored in unicorns. Yep. <laughs> uh, again, I don't know if this scroll is on the extended version. Um, maybe, I don't know. Well, it doesn't add any information at all. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Well, there's there was a way. Well, I mean, it says like who the characters are and stuff like that. And I was like, in a way, it's like, oh well, you know, this text scroll is technically Act One. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> act One text scroll. <laughs> there's Here's a good and evil. <laughs> and evil is actually like a thing. Uh, like a physical uh, form. <laughs> they say the purest mortals are the only ones that can find unicorns, and apparently Jack is one. And I wrote down probably Tom Cruise, and it is Lily, probably Mia Sarah, and it is. They naively believe that there's only good in the world, um, although that's not really expressed in the in the cut of the movie we saw. So maybe that's more expressed in the extended cut. But here they say there can be no light without darkness and the universe depends on the balance and the struggle to maintain the balance gives birth to legends. <laughs> so the first shot's just like dawn. Dawn light is like strewn through a forest with bears and rabbits and other animals. I'm pretty sure this is the original set before it burned down like four days later. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just looks more massive. You just take it all in because you're not going to have it the whole time. <laughs> And then some sort of demon shows up, like as like lightning flashes and eerie music plays. Uh, inside, then they show a shot of a big tree, and inside the tree, there's just like demons torturing either other demons or humans. I can't tell. It's just a guy with like a rubber, like uh, butcher's axe, just hitting somebody, but they're not actually cutting them. But that's what you're supposed to imply. Right. Yeah, because he's just <laughs> pounding on the table. 
and the guy <laughs> screaming. It's like, hmm. Uh, then we have Tim Curry as Darkness, and he's like shaded in black with growing, glowing green eyes and nails. And apparently, in the European cut, like you don't even see him till like an hour into the movie, like not even this part. Yeah, <laughs> shows up. So we have Blix the Goblin. That's the person we we opened the movie with. Uh, it's Darkness senses some sort of power out there that he could use to rule the world, and it's Unicorn. And here they also set up that innocence is Unicorn bait. Uh, then we have Mia Sarah's Lily, who I definitely had a thing for her when I'm growing up because Ferris Bueller's Days Off was my favorite movie. So. I was going to say Mia Sarah of Time Cop. <laughs> no, everyone knows her from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, but this was her first movie. So, yeah. So she's like literally frolicking through a bright forest because <laughs> it's had more sunlit now. But we have Blix is spying on her. They show like Lily being like somewhat mis- mischievous because. She has her friend Nell, and she's like, Nell's like doing laundry, and she just like cuts the drying line, so she has to like work harder. And then she just goes in her house and starts eating food off the table. So. Yeah, it's a very like storybook looking set. Like it just yeah. looks like something out of a fairy tale, like this house that's kind of dilapidated and grown into a tree or something. You know, it's just very, uh, very fairy tale looking. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Lily's, I think this is something that may have been cut out of like this version, but it seems like she's supposed to be a princess. And we're, cause like Nell's like, it's like, I'm an old lady, you know, poor. It's like, you need to go back to your people, but they never explain who her people is. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be like a good leadership structure in this world where good and evil <laughs> are constantly at war. You think there'd be like hard lines and walls and men walking around looking <laughs> grim, but none of that seems to happen. And, it's like if these people uh, in the woods are poor, they're doing pretty good for middle age, middle <laughs> middle ages poor because they got all the food they could want to eat and yeah, uh, you know that's. And they seem to be happy. Yeah, they seem to be happy and not drunk. So it's like, oh, they're legitimately <laughs> happy then. But I mean, you can definitely tell where like the budget got cut because you have to imagine that stuff would be in the original cut of the movie where it's like, here it's just like this world is inhabited by like. 10 people yeah there's no like <laughs> castle set with the king daughter come back you know then no none of that <laughs> wouldn't even be it would be kind of weird if they did it would seem extraneous considering the story the story is the thinnest skeletal bones <laughs> on which to hang beautiful sets music I mean, it, it, and it's a know. white canvas for ridley scott to paint on yeah That's yeah because I was going to say, I was like, and he never went back to like, you know, fantasy and, and not really, but he did definitely go back to like, you know, Gladiator and Kingdom of Heaven and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. he definitely loves doing that stuff. So. I mean, and those were strong movies, you know, and the duel, like that was cool. Yeah. You just want to watch two guys kill each other with swords for an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes. Whatever. It was actually a cool movie, but uh, I like how he said, like st- Americans were too dumb to understand it. It's like, no, I thought it was a great movie. I don't know if I'd want to take the family and sit in a theater and watch that. With, you know, but as far as it's like a great movie, but yeah, I forget what I was talking about. Maybe we were talking about it, but how, how like you used to take the family to go see important movies and wouldn't necessarily mean like everybody went to see it, but like everyone saw you go to the movies with a family to see what's supposed to be an important, weird indie movie. Yeah. You know, and you get stuff like little man Tate. It's like, all right, every, you know, not everybody's going to go see it, but somebody's going to see it and everybody's going to know what it is. Uh, but through the, the advertising for nowadays, you don't get those little movies. Nope. They're, they're just not there. I mean, they're on streaming, but they're not even like all the streaming stuff is usually like genre stuff. They're not like 
like usually you get that important stuff is like there's just this there's just a slew of documentaries out there now and they're yeah. pretty well done but sometimes it's like man i can't watch it i can't watch a documentary every week it's, it's depressing <laughs> documentaries do you usually don't make you feel good it just makes you feel like just reveals what a terrible place is in great detail <laughs> yeah there's two kinds of documentaries there's uh like disaster stuff about like you know power plants blowing up or you know there's things like that or then there's like look at this group of people being very unfair and evil to this other group or we're all gonna die and this is how you know we'll just pick your thing <laughs> it's like yeah documentaries like you know they don't really inform you of much anymore they're they've become movies with like <laughs> real information but also like it's more how you respond to it emotionally yeah because <laughs> like again, the filmmakers and you both leave a both leave the movie without answers to the questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spent two hours of my life on this. You spent six months of your life. And <laughs> we're equally as like, well, I guess we're just screwed. I don't know. <laughs> or then, um, uh, what was that one? I watched the global zero like that. I mean, that was from years ago, but that's the one where it's like, we got to eliminate nuclear weapons. This is how they could kill us all. And it's like, yeah, dude, I already know all this information. It's like, so what's your plan to, talking everyone in the world into getting rid of their nuclear weapons just trust i mean what you know <laughs> what's going to lead to that nope don't know uh maybe it's the old thing like you know like last week's movie threads it gets created and then reagan kind of has like a softer heart afterwards which nowadays that doesn't seem to happen like putting on the production and like people in power watching it and like changing their mind doesn't really happen <laughs> anymore <laughs> or, or, or yeah like if we made a modern movie about nuclear war putin would immediately be like do we have weapons that can do that and if not how can we make them like that it would have like a reverse effect like how do we blow up the sun uh, yeah it's like i don't think people think the same way anymore <laughs> so lily's like in the in the house and she's eating some food off the table it's not hers and she watches a clock that gets covered in snow for a moment and then Nell shows up. She's the resident homely lady. That's like, they're friends apparently, but yeah, <laughs> but you know, Lily doesn't you know care about making life harder for her. So. But it's not that you know, it's it's not insidious. It's just you know, she's young and playful. So yeah, I mean, she even tells her it's like you need to stop being you know a child. You're a woman now. <laughs> Lily's looking for Jack. Jack leaps out of the trees and scares her. Uh, Jack's apparently he seems to be just like. You know, again, he doesn't have parents or anything like that. He just seems to be like a person of the forest. Yeah, he's but, yeah, he's the, the Jacko the Green is his name. <laughs> okay, which means he's like um, oh, what's that thing in British like Celtic mythology? The Green Man. He's it's like this the man of the forest. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't. He seems to be like pretty much a basic human with a lot of woods lore. Yeah, yeah. So Jack is yeah. like Strider in this. Uh, film he's <laughs> that's his purpose wait who's strider uh, the the uh, uh guy from uh the fellowship of the rings oh. he oh okay okay he has uh what's his other name aragorn oh okay aragorn yeah and they go and make that yeah like they go and make out or have sex whatever seems good to you at the time uh, well <laughs> if, if innocence away. is unicorn meat then they probably didn't have sex <laughs> because once people have sex they're just they're just sluts of the forest yeah. <laughs> they're not innocent anymore i guess i mean they have the kissing and they kind of like fade away to like the sun setting and usually that implies sex but you know again it's up to your interpretation yeah 
because they're still fully clothed they, like they both there's no like clothes are coming off moment there's nothing like that so uh, like, of course the goblins watch them so that yeah. was like a gang of goblins and then jack's Those just are like the internet hugging... trolls of the past <laughs> jack is just like hugging a fox yeah <laughs> just showing off that he's like in tune with the forest even though again he's he's not some mythical creature himself he's just a human but he's just you know lives in the forest uh jack blindfolds lily to go take her to see the unicorns because again they're so they're they're so innocent that they they can find unicorns now he says it's forbidden that she sees them he's like well, i'm gonna take you to show you something forbidden <laughs> which makes me th- then i think the sex is coming but no it's uh, <laughs> it's uh it's the unicorns and he explains to her like you're not supposed to see this or know about this so i'm going to show you a secret because i trust you <laughs> and she immediately betrays trust <laughs> like, oh, i've got to touch the unicorns like no also you know it doesn't seem to th- you know i'm thinking like is this some kind of pocket universe that you can only see in the right way but no it just kind of seems to be a place in the forest that generally people don't go it's not like nobody can find it for some reason so <laughs> yeah anyways yeah it's not <laughs> See, that's the explanation. That's the bullshit I'm looking for that they don't bring up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lily. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have to we have to meet these prerequisites so before we can see the unicorns. <laughs> that's why you're being blindfolded because you're missing one of the prerequisites. But here, it makes it okay. <laughs> yeah, because later on they just show up and it's just like, well, any apparently anybody can just find these unicorns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once they've been, once one person sees them, then anybody can see. Yeah, it's like the goblins are just following them along, you know. It's, yeah. Wow. Uh, so they see the, the the unicorns galloping around, but here they put like whale sounds over top of it. Yeah, so I was weird. wondering about like, are there whales in the water singing to the unicorns? What's going on? <laughs> I think uh, Jack says, as long as they roam the earth, nothing can harm the pure of heart. Also, apparently, uniforms only speak in love and laughter because she's like, can we talk to them? Also, it's like, yeah, you know, you have to give these two American actors British accents. Yeah, these really weird generic British accents, which, <laughs> which, which works. You don't really, it doesn't take you out of it. But then when you think about it, it's like, wait a minute. I mean, it's fine. You never, you've never seen Mia Sarah before, and then you know, it's just, and I, you know, it's Tom Cruise. I guess he doesn't really talk that much. He just kind of like goes into action. But yeah, I mean, it's like fifteen-year-old uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Um, with long hair <laughs> yeah I, I forget the trivia there's some point about that where he wouldn't cut his hair yeah he didn't want to cut his hair and then it's like and then he's doing top gun yeah so like, <laughs> can there be a long-haired naval fighter pilot no there can't ever that's just not allowed <laughs> like a viking no tom gotta cut your hair you want to make a hundred million dollars cut your hair which is also weird because that means that like in two months ago, there's like in, in a two month period, there's two Tom Cruise movies that have completely different receptions from two different brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very strange the the DNA that changes, you know. Because if you think about it, like we think of Ridley Scott as like one of the most influential directors of all time. Right. But if you think about like their crossing careers, like Tony was way more successful. Yeah when when tone when ridley was like in the dumps because like this is like because even though blade runner is such a respected and storied movie it was a it was a box office failure for a new company yeah. so 
and he got to make this movie which also wasn't great and then he was like kind of just in director's jail he made like black rain like a like a few years later which is just kind of a a weird like sort of like xenophobic thing where it's like what's with all these japanese companies buying american companies and what's that lead to and and he kind of doesn't like he kind of doesn't come back into the fold until like thelma and louise gives him like that's a successful movie and like iconic uh and then after that like he does like the 1492 movie uh which i've never seen but i know it's long and boring and looks good (laughs) yeah it's it's looks great (laughs) and then he did gi jane i did white squall too yeah which was about Um, the 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 school that where rich parents send their kids to the boat school yeah jeff bridges in it yeah it's kind of cool movie um, but it wasn't really till Gladiator came out, which that gave him the runway for the next 20 years of his career yeah. to do really every movie he made after that looks like the most expensive movie ever made, even though it never is. But yeah, because Ridley Scott's Ridley Scott came out of directing commercials where it's like, make it look good, cheap and fast. So he he came out of that. So, yeah, he can make movies look like the most expensive movies ever made, but they never are. Yeah, he did the uh, um, 1984 Apple commercial. That was Ridley Scott. (laughs) That's one of the most iconic commercials ever shot. I mean, people still reference that. Yeah. It's weird how like those companies like changed roles 40 years later. It's like, (laughs) it's like, oh yeah, now the big bad company is not, uh, it's, it's Apple now, but it's not because they control computers. It's because they're really good at like lawyering up. (laughs) (laughs) They have the best accountants and lawyers money can buy. Yeah. I make good products too, but they also like they're coercive. Like, oh, I'm not going to get into an Apple rant, but yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't do me any good because I still exclusively buy their products, so it's not like stopping <laughs> me in any way. Uh, so yeah, they're looking at the unicorns. Lily tries and go to get close to them, but like Jack's trying to warn her away. It's like you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Blixen puts some poison on a dart and shoots one of the unicorns. Both the horses get spooked, and so they charge away. And then the goblins give chase after the unicorns. I don't think we ever show a shot of like Jack and Lily like recognizing the goblins. I don't think they ever see them or know they exist. No, it's just kind of a weird like the unicorn bolts, it gets hit with a dart, and the goblins are chasing them on their little horses, <laughs> chasing the unicorn on it, you know, waiting for it to pass out or whatever. Yeah. And then we have Je- then we have Lily and Jack like kind of argue for a bit. It's like you're not supposed to do that. And like and then a storm's rolling in. And then it's kind of changes here because Lily says like she'll marry whoever finds the ring and then throws it in a waterfall and it like goes down into a lake. And so Jack dives in to go and find it. Meanwhile, there's like tension building in the music. Uh, Lily's scared for Jack's life all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, well, because the weather's just becoming insanely violent. Yeah. I mean, she's specifically yelling at Jack. It's like, he's up the forest. I think he probably knows how to swim. He's yeah. probably fine. I mean, he is. He will be in danger, but I don't see from her vantage place her figuring that out immediately. Uh, unless she's just like, you know, it's the vibes in the air are wrong, and she starts screaming. Yeah, I mean, really screaming, too. Like. <laughs> well, it's like, a, yeah, because like the winter starts to roll in. Uh, I think you get shots of like the uh, the unicorn like kind of slowing down and dying. Uh, so like that's why like everything's like getting flipped upside down uh the lake's frozen over and it traps jack in there which that's a real nightmare <laughs> yeah that is scary like 
then the goblin walks up to the the downed horse and cuts its horn off. Uh, but one of them gets away, so it's still out there. Uh, Jack breaks their eyes, and he's like calling for Lily. But apparently Lily's just ran away to Nell's house, and uh, for some reason, the forest has been overcome with winter. Well, I mean, that's because the, the unicorn died, but for some reason, Nell and her family or whatever are just frozen in, in place. Yeah. So, so now they're out of the movie. Uh, then, but then the goblins come into town and they don't necessarily like intentionally come into Nell's house. They're just like, that's just the first house along the way or something. Uh, but they're not necessarily looking for Lily. It just like, it comes off that way. But I feel like they don't even know she exists yet. Yeah. Um, and she, and like, Blix, like the leader of the goblins, like always speaks in rhyme. Yeah. And I can't remember the lines, but yeah, it's. It's like frozen wasteland to man. I don't know. It was something like that. But yeah, there's always a lot of rhyming speech. Yeah, some frozen time is something a great thing for goblins rhyme or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lily's like hiding in the attic or something, and like the the goblins come in and start like roughing up the place, eating stuff, and then and then Blix has the unicorn horn and. and they're like casting magic with it. And, and then as they leave, Lily asks herself like, what have I done? Like, I'll, then I'll make it right. <laughs> uh, so it seems like, Oh, okay, cool. She's going to like have some, <laughs> some, uh, what do you call that? Ownership of her. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or she'll like have some agency in like how this plays out. Oh, she does later on, but it's like in the middle part, she's just like a, She's literally a damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah. I can't do anything except get captured. Jack's huddled by a fire while, while he's covered in snow. It's like, that fire's not working, buddy. Yeah, he's trying to like sleep with his close to the fire. And it's like, yeah, I think you'd still be freezing to death. if. Then a fairy child shows up at Sunnythorm Gump. Yep. Interestingly, who's voiced by the same actress that plays Blix. Yeah. But the actor is a Swedish actor who I guess his voice was nothing like that. Even as oh, a I thought young... it was German or something. Yeah, I think he's. I thought he was Swedish, or maybe he was born uh, in Sweden, or maybe just. Well, see the thing. Oh, I'm is, sorry, like, Switzerland. Not... He's from Switzerland. Oh, okay. So that means he could be uh, from anywhere then. Well, they do speak German. They have like three different official languages in Switzerland. German's one of them, but yeah. Um, I well, it's the only reason I say that is because I, I did look. I tried to look up ridley scott audio commentary and the best thing i get on youtube is like little snippets of the of the movie with this commentary and one of them is him talking about how they changed the voice of the actor because they thought he sounded like a nazi so that's why they changed the voice of him. which would have been weird <laughs> gump was just a, it's like jack you must do this now <laughs> 999 jack not that way you must recover um, the horn for the purity of man. It's like, whoa. <laughs> What's going on with this elf? Damn. He's talking about bloodlines and skull shapes. It's like, this is not. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I want to get this whole unicorn it's got this horn. This cartwheel symbol I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. What's this all about? <laughs> it's a, the nature in alignment. All <laughs> is an alignment. We must bring order. <laughs> <laughs> to light and darkness. <laughs> Through the darkness, we will bring the light. Ah, <laughs> uh, so let's do a script check there. I don't think that's uh, <laughs> not what we were going for there, David. Uh, 
Uh, That'd be great. This is so weird. Gump is mad at Lily and Jack for visiting the unicorn, but like changes his mood when Jack says that he did it for love. <laughs> and then, then Gump's like, oh, that's cool then. <laughs> oh, love, yes. <laughs> Which I thought he was being, I thought like he was going to, Gump was going to betray him in some way. Where it's like, he was just being sarcastic. It's like, oh, love, then it's okay. It's like, no, but really that's what it was. Like, okay, if it's for love, it's all cool. Yeah. <laughs> this works. Uh, <laughs> somehow now we all gotta go die but it's for love <laughs> uh jack and the fairy people go out looking for lily uh, yeah there's a couple more people that they're not really fairies they're more they more seem like i like saw gnomes. them as, yeah something like but that but they're all fairy people apparently so yeah there's it's screwball and brown tom <laughs> yeah screwball played by billy barty who's a very famous <laughs> actor for playing roles like that uh, also in Willow, which is also another movie you could confuse this for. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Willow. Yeah, everyone tried to make these marketable, and it's just after <laughs> I a think while. Willow's probably the probably the one I watched like all the way through. That's yeah. also just such a weird movie that keeps your attention. <laughs> yeah, it keeps things moving. And Val Kilmer's fun in it, so yeah. What's he? Mad Mardigan, the sword fighter, or something? Yeah, yeah. Half the um, cast of Game of Thrones is in it as much younger people. <laughs> so they find the dead unicorn, but they see that one's still alive. Again, now apparently just anybody can see the unicorn. Uh, Jack kneels and asks for forgiveness from the unicorn. But then Jack goes back to the fairy people and says, like, they're cursed until they can get the alicorn back, which I guess that's the what you call the horn of the unicorn. Yeah, it just seemed like a needless, like, yeah, we got to get the unicorn horn back. No, can't say that. <laughs> gotta make up a new word or maybe that's part of unicorn lore i don't know but ah uh, yeah i don't know but they need a champion of pure heart and so gump now nominates jack who like doesn't believe he's a pure heart because he thinks he's responsible for this but you know <laughs> we don't need to add more people to this movie so jack's the first <laughs> yeah it's it's gotta fill gotta wear a couple different hats there jack <laughs> trying to keep this tight so have that being the end of Act One. So Act Two, Jack gets sent into a cave of weapons. <laughs> Here, on Ona the fairy, like it's just a dot of, it's literally just a, it's literally just a light on some string. Yeah, it's like a Christmas tree light if it was flying. <laughs> Not a big one either, one of the small ones. Uh, that's another fun snippet from the commentary I saw where he said like. If this cost me like twelve dollars. This would cost three hundred twenty thousand dollars now. They had to do it with CGI. Yeah, um, but it also looks like it cost you twelve dollars. Yes, but yes, it's, yes it's exactly. Good save, but you know. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's sometimes you can suspend your disbelief. It's like, oh, it's just a light. It's a, a some sort of fairy bean or whatever. But then when they get close up of it, you can literally see the string it's hanging on. Yeah, and it's like wow, the <laughs> incandescent coil that's burning in there. It's like, huh? It's kind of taking me out of it. It's like, is this a is this a fairy spaceship? Is it, it looks like a like a made thing. Uh, the world's biggest anglerfish. <laughs> yeah, but Ona like explodes into a person. It's some woman, and she says that she can become his heart's desire. <laughs> and, and then Jack Jack grabs a sword. So yeah, you know, all this is just like 
okay you got all this i have to believe that like in the longer cut like all this is explained because this is just throwing stuff at you and moving on <laughs> yeah there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh it's like well una likes him also a very <laughs> very odd looking actress they found they cast it perfectly because yeah. she doesn't really look like a, it's like she looks like a fairy like the real person i guess yeah. she's some kind of dancer or something but right. yeah <laughs> just so thin and just kind of this strange looking face it's like wow that's amazing casting yeah, it looks like it should be like Zool's sister or something <laughs> yeah well it looks like an adult child i guess if you yeah, know what yeah. i mean it's like i know there's probably makeup that makes it look like that but it's like it's not creepy adult child looking thing, but it's just like, oh yeah, elves never really or fairies never really like matured beyond this phase, yeah. but they still they want love and, and companionship. Yeah, and if she if she was a dancer or a gymnast when she was young, she probably has some weird stunted growth thing going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gotta weigh sixty pounds to be a be in the Bolshoi <laughs> as a full grown woman. It's like, yeah, that's healthy. <laughs> Here we have kind of a reversal. We have Lily stalking the goblins. So yeah. it's like, hey, she's she's taking her own agency. Blix is mad with power and feeling full of himself. But then Darkness shows up and takes the unicorn horn away. Uh, and Darkness has like one of the minions. I thought kill, but he like makes a zombie pop out of the ground, grab the minion, and then jump into a hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the minions kind of or the the. Well, at first we just know it as like, oh, it's one of the goblins. It's got it's got like all this this weird armor on it, and there's like steam that pumps out of it and stuff. So it's a very interesting looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but Darklin tells the other goblins like, not all unicorns are dead because like dawn is happening. It's like that's not complete. Then Lily shows up, where what's his name, <laughs> Brown Tom or what's his name? Oh, Screwball. No, this one's the guy with the liquor in his hand. Oh, Brown Tom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Brown Tom, like, Lily warns Brown Tom that, like, Darkness and the Goblins are coming for the the unicorn, and Brown Tom's there is, like, keeping, trying to defend it. Uh, he defends it until he gets hit in the head with an arrow, and he passes out. Yeah. And then here the, like, I thought that the unicorn would smartly run away, but apparently it gets captured, too, along with Lily. Which, again, that's, just, that's all she can do, <laughs> just get captured, but... And the gump, the gump and his crew find Brown Tom, who he thinks he's dead, but he's alive. And he, but the arrow just got shot to through one of the liquor that he holds under his hat. So that's so they have a good laugh at that. Uh, then they cross to the evil swamp, and they're impeded by a swamp witch, which it's like something like Meg Muddle Bones or something like that. Muckle and Bones. This is, <laughs> and this is the one played by Robert Picardo, who is the holographic doctor in the Voy star trek voyager series yeah yeah most though he's also johnny cab in total recall so yeah yeah, yeah I mean, this guy's been in a lot of things <laughs> but i didn't know that i was like i was like who's meckle bones i was like oh that's the witch i was like, okay i wouldn't guess that was his part uh jack cuts off her head and then they move on so <laughs> that's that yeah because he has a shield and sword at some point doesn't make it very long but he does have it for a little bit yeah, yeah, I th think this is the only time he actually uses it. Well, I mean, he has like a sword fight at the end, but yeah. I think it's with different swords. Uh, or maybe it's the same sword, I don't know. Yeah, this guy kind of had a setup in a similar. It seemed kind of like they had things set up to kind of seem like the uh, trash compactor sequence from Star Wars, but with fantasy. Uh, but it's just over in like 
three minutes. <laughs> you know, someone had to build that set, put all that mucky water in there, and then you're done. Yep. <laughs> That's all you get. Scene. <laughs> uh, they move forward and then just, like, fall down into a prison with dead bodies all over the place. Uh, they meet the armored goblin, but then they find out it's revealed to be, like, a lost fairy or whatever. And uh, I can't remember. His, his name's, like, Bungle or something like that or something like that. Blunder. All right. Blunder, that's it. Then we have, like, the orc butchers from earlier coming looking for meat in the prison that they barely maintain. <laughs> so everyone runs and hides, but they, they take they take Blunder away. Jack tries to get Una to steal a key, but she has to reveal herself that she that she doesn't want to. And so as, like, as like compensation, she demands a kiss from Jack. Uh, so he kind of just like pecks her on the mouth and she's like, no, like a real kiss. So then she poses as Lily for a bit to get a better kiss. But then he can't, he, he, cause he knows the truth. He can't accept that. And then she gets mad and they feel like the, it's like, oh, she just abandoned us. But then she comes back anyways with the, the keys. So they get out of there. Now she's just mad. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a seemingly pointless scene, but <laughs> then we have darkness talks to us father who's just i don't know just a spirit in the fireplace or something i don't know yeah it's a weird scene because they had smoke <laughs> coming out or uh, they they like reverse shot it yeah uh so it looked like like smoke was going into the fireplace with the two demon statues sitting yeah. in this huge fireplace it's because it's cool i mean all the stuff with darkness and the whole dungeon scenario in this is really cool yeah it's really well done and the way darkness looks is like still frightening and effective to this day. Oh yeah, like when I think when I th when someone says Satan or the devil, the first image that comes to mind is this image of of darkness. Yeah, <laughs> which is the big red face and horns and stuff like that. Like that's what I think of, which is just the classical you know devil thing, but just kind of put to to a uh, you know big makeup form <laughs> yeah and, you know that's always the part like i saw in in reruns when i was a kid i'd always see like these scenes with darkness and that's like oh that thing you know? yeah and then just never never watched it <laughs> father tells darkness that he needs, he needs to corrupt lily through charm he's a seducer and then we just see like lily running through the dungeon like she like runs through fire but the fire turns off before she gets to it and and then she's just running amongst columns. And it's like, where are we? I thought we were in a tree, but now it becomes like some weird castle thing or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they refer to it as a dungeon later on. So I guess that, you know, all right, it's a dungeon with like somebody with intentional architecture throughout and not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's com combination cave castle. But this whole sequence is very shot like dreamlike. So you don't really know. It's like, is any of this real or happening? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I guess so, <laughs> because they see like uh like the the fairy see Lily running through the dungeon, and some of them like some of them like just Una chases after, her and then some of them kind of go in a slightly different direction. Gump and Jack get attacked by zombies. Oh yeah, because they split up to go look. So Gump and Jack get attacked by zombies. Uh, they just run to a door and close it. So that's the end of that sequence. Yeah, it just again, there's a lot of things in here that happened very quickly. <laughs> There's like nothing that uh, really changes anything. It's just oh, running and slamming yeah. doors. Now again, like you know, the extended cuts like an extra hour or so, you know. Uh, which I don't uh, know. 
usually like Ridley Scott's the only directors where it's like an extended cut where it really means something. Um, but I'm still skeptical if like another hour of this movie like really safe is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm probably not going to find out. So. <laughs> And then they showed up. Yeah, yeah. Then like Screwball and Brown Tom see the unicorn tied up. At it's in this place. Also, it's like, oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, that's revealed. <laughs> I'm glad the unicorn also doesn't have any agency. I'm glad it's a magical being that apparently has no power, but also all the power in the world. <laughs> doesn't understand how to use its power to defend itself. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's always like a thing in these type of stuff where it's like darkness is is nearly unending and the amount of numbers it can produce but you know light is just always concentrated in the fewest amount of things possible yeah <laughs> see god it's called putting all your eggs in one basket don't do it <laughs> don't do it it's a bad strategy and god's like but you don't have to pay the extras union scale it's like oh okay <laughs> i see so god is a businessman after all <laughs> Lily walks towards a bunch of jewelry and chalices, and then there's like whispers, like the the father whispering, like like seduce her and charm her. And I'm like, is she hearing this? Because <laughs> when you hear those whispers and continue to walk towards the thing that's like clearly a trap <laughs> for you, it's like I'm afraid. Look, <laughs> shiny things. <laughs> I don't know. She's innocent, and naive. So I, I guess so. Yeah. The, s- the statues come alive and start dancing and then yeah, that's a like weird a moral... scene because it's like going on in the corner of the camera almost yeah it makes it this is one of the best scenes in the movie it's just for uh, cool the... factor alone yeah and, uh, yeah there's like statues that come alive and dance and they're kind of weird and cherubic and then there's this one like more like official dancer that's just like in all black um and they're wearing like a black face mask too so you can't see them but then I, I get essentially what's supposed to be is like the the dress is dancing unto itself. Yeah, <laughs> essentially is what they're trying to get across. Liz, see, Lily seems confused, but then it's like, hey, all this evil stuff happening. Why don't I dance with the evil thing? Yeah, when in Rome, you know, it's <laughs> oh, this looks like a version of hell. Let's let's dance. <laughs> then she gets like the goth princess magical outfit put on her. <laughs> Uh, you know she looks cool in it so yeah I mean, this is when like dark lily emerges it's this <laughs> totally works for you uh but then she faints as like darkness comes out of a mirror and this is where we first see him as like his you know his red devil form yeah he's like this <laughs> nine foot tall demon with uh <laughs> massive horns they you know five hours every time they did that for tim curry in makeup yeah oh yeah they the did, special but... effects guy from the thing was one of the main yeah. guys in this I looked up because I was like, how do you say his name? And uh, I looked up some. Yeah, it looks like Rob Botten, but it's like Rob Botine. Is how okay. you say his name. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he worked on the thing and the Halloween. He did a lot of like makeup stuff. And like he was like 24 at the time he did this movie. So he's already like the best guy in the biz. And he's still in his mid 20s. Wow. <laughs> well, what hills are we climbing next? <laughs> Also, weirdly, he kind of looked like uh, McCready in The Thing. Yeah, that's right. He does. With hair all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why did it do that? Yeah. It's it's not like a sea. It's not from here. It's one of my favorite <laughs> lines in The Thing. It's like, what do you? Who cares? <laughs> 
yeah like yeah yeah like the and the, the but the bad part was like taking off the makeup it was like you had to basically soak in this bath that would like undo all the stuff they put on and i guess it gave because you're basically like you know it's it's like a thing where like you know like put some put some straws in your nostril and just hang out in a bath and like he get he uh tim curry got like extremely claustrophobic oh yeah and that, that got do out it. too early <laughs> got out too early and like go went to rip the makeup off his face and he like tore his flesh off his face and so that delayed production <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they used to torture people with that stuff oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still bad now, but it's just, it's not as bad for you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it nowadays... Like, it was like Michael Dorn, who played Worf on The Next Generation, said he felt very isolated uh, because, like, once they put the Worf makeup on, you know, it's not coming off to go eat lunch. <laughs> and, and so he was just, like, hanging out in the in his, in his uh, room eating. It's because he tried to go out and do things, and people were like, huh? It's like, yeah, it's a movie, you know. But yeah, he said it made him feel kind of isolated. Uh, yeah. So yeah, darkness is just a very classical satanic imagery of you know giant horns and hoof feet and stuff like that, and red. So yeah, very red. So Lily wakes up and he tries to convince Lily that she's like evil and sinful, and she she looks she the part at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She kind of believes that in herself, but she also is like. Yeah, I'm not gonna trust anything coming from you. So, <laughs> even if you're even if you're tapping into my own self doubt, like you're obviously a liar and not good for the world. <laughs> Why won't you believe me? I don't know. Big satanic horns, red skin, <laughs> maybe gives that away. It's like, hey, I shouldn't trust this guy. <laughs> and plus, you say you want a relationship with me. You know, it's like you're a nine foot tall, like half satyr. <laughs> It's like I don't think there's gonna be a lot of good sex going on. You like <laughs> look like you weigh eight hundred pounds, you know. It's like how's this gonna work? Um, I think like yeah, like the the fairies are kinda of like looking through a crack in the door. <laughs> like they tell Jack it's like, She's too far gone, there's nothing we can do for her. It's like, I don't know, open the door and talk to her, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's movie logic, I guess. <laughs> She's got black makeup, Jack, it's over. <laughs> Once they do the dark eyeliner, they're lost to you. They're lost to the light. They're going to start listening to Swedish death metal and burning down churches any day. <laughs> and I think there's a point where, like, darkness says, like, light can destroy him. And so, like, they whisper, it's like, as long as the sun shines, we can destroy him. Uh, so, I had that being the end of Act Two. So, Act Three, we have Screwball and Brown Tom are found, like, just cowering around yeah. <laughs> the dungeon. Basically ready to give up and die. Yeah. <laughs> like ready to drink again. Like, oh, one last drink. What do you think? It's like, yeah, it's... Uh... So they go find the last unicorn, but they find Blunder stuffed in a pot pie. <laughs> yeah. About to be cooked, so they release him. Which I feel like the, there should be like... Maybe that's got to be something in the cut footage where like this guy has like a whole redemptive arc because afterwards he's just there. Yeah. <laughs> He's ready to switch sides again because he's like the brother of the other two guys, right? Yeah, something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> they were related. They call him brother. I don't know if that means literally, yeah. figuratively. I'm not sure, but yeah, because I don't know how long these people live, and the, you know their the familial structures might be crazy. So, you know, you know, there's like there's only a hundred of us, but we all live to be 900 years old. So everybody's an uncle, brother, or something. Yeah. <laughs> So the gang are going around. They're gathering up all the shiny dishes and the, and the 
in the uh like the, the butcher shop or whatever the kitchen but then they end up clanging the dishes because they're like throwing it like frisbees to each other and it's kind of fun but then they clang together and wake up the the orca demon butchers or whatever they are <laughs> they're able to fight them by just kind of like hitting them a while and then at one point he knocks over a pot which apparently just obliterates the room if but not really but it just kind of it's implied that like all that hot you know water they were cooking like hit one of the orcs but like it really doesn't hit anybody but you know they make it seem like it's an explosion went off or something and like only those who took cover had survived yeah it was like some kind of steam explosion and yeah yeah i didn't Um, understand that exactly i thought oh do you just pour burning pitch on one of the orc cooks but like no the guy's just standing there screaming it's like oh (laughs) all their nerves must be in their feet or so i don't know (laughs) why you can't hurt them when you hit them in the head with a hammer it's like yeah they don't feel that it's their feet you gotta pour boiling water on their feet but since they knocked over like the cistern or whatever, they see that the chimney, they see light coming through the chimney. So it's like, all right, we can get light down here. So they're going to shine the light on all these shiny dishes and try to get it to hit darkness. And so that's their plan. But at first they make, there's a whole to do about like, somebody's got to climb up there. I don't know who's going to do it. And then they're just like, it's, it's, it's screwball. It's like, I can do it. I'm small enough. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know why this is a problem, but it becomes a problem later on. But Yeah. <laughs> We have Darkness trying to seduce Lily, but Lily like reject, rejects him, so he gets like mad about it. But then she kind of like, then she like switches a bit, and then she's like requests that she gets to kill the unicorn, and then this is to the delight of Darkness. He's like, ha ha, <laughs> somebody I can I can get behind. I like this broad. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a ceremony with the demons uh, to kill the last unicorn. Uh, Gump tries to to convince Jack to kill Lily because they both have like arrows out and they're at the distance, but like Jack trusts Lily, and so Lily like you know this is a ruse that she set up, and so she cuts the unicorn free. But then like darkness like backhands her, which is also apparently additionally a spell that makes her go to sleep. <laughs> Jack swings down, and then he starts fighting Jackness, or he starts fighting darkness. Uh, Jackness is overpowered by darkness because, like, basically every swing he hits him, it just like knocks him back like five feet. But he's he's nimble enough to kind of avoid most of the the blows. It's a cool looking fight, but there's a lot of times it's obviously there's like they they had like a mask they put over the stunt guy. It's like it's like oh the mouth doesn't move, it's just wide open. You can see the stunt guy's chin through the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. You know, that, like you know, again, you're you're having to put Tim Curry through five hours of makeup for a 30 second shot you know <laughs> yeah there seems to be a lot of and, you, and you're shooting it in such darkness that it's like oh yeah. yeah you can get away with that for a few seconds and then una goes up to like up the top of the chimney where apparently screwball just like fell asleep because the climb was too much for him so he went to sleep yeah that makes sense <laughs> uh then una goes up there she becomes a a, a you know a corporeal being yeah <laughs> yeah but like the the dish is too heavy for to like move around so but screwball's waking up to help her jack grabs the alicorn and he throws it into the darkness into darkness and so like stabs into his chest but then he kind of like pulls it out but like as he's doing that like darkness is like being just sucked into space <laughs> yeah i don't know why this starts <laughs> i thought it was the light that hit him but it's like, wait, no, this happened before the light, so 
Yeah. Oh, wait, no, it's like as the light hits him, that's when he starts getting sucked in. Oh, I thought he started getting sucked in. Okay, okay, maybe my I think it's a combination. Off. I think he's, like, slightly being dragged backwards, but the, the combination makes him, like, it's fully the airlock from Aliens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See? And so, like, yeah, so then, you know, he like, Darkness is, like, talking about, like, hey, you need me. It's like, there can't be any light without darkness and stuff like that, and... You know, Jack thinks about it a bit and then cuts off both his hands and he just flies out into space and just kind of like lightly explodes into like four beams of light or whatever. Yeah, he becomes the Big Dipper. <laughs> and uh, he actually yeah, has he some goes, great lines there. It's like, you can't yeah. exist without me. I yeah. am in you. And Jack's like, not if I cut your hands off. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you think he ponder that for a little bit, but yeah, kind of does. I, which like I don't know, that's what people suggest the extended cuts more of that of the whole about the discussion of light and darkness and how you know more about Lily and Jack being like less innocent than like how they're portrayed here and contemplating like what it is to be human and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm I'm still yeah, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm not I've been drugged into skeptical. That. <laughs> I've been drugged into that trap before. No, the director's cut <laughs> makes it make more sense. It's like, no, it just has longer scenes. <laughs> of the same nonsense it's like yeah very rarely have i seen a film where it's like oh the director's cut makes and i love blade runner and like yeah the director's cuts are fine but they're just yeah. different to me they're almost different viewpoints on the same piece of art yeah but yeah. I, like sometimes there's stuff especially with really scott where it's like yeah sometimes because like the kingdom of heaven extended cut is a better movie than the theatrical that's cut. the only one i've seen so i wouldn't know yeah. I have because the i can't imagine if that movie was any shorter it would make more sense like that, <laughs> there's a lot going on there uh, yeah so so yeah like so darkness kind of lightly explodes and then but uh they kind of there's a lot of quick cuts here because lily's apparently cursed to sleep or whatever jack finds her ring in the lake Gump puts the unicorn horn back on the unicorn, so then it, so then it's okay. The sun rises, the unicorn comes back to life. Lily wakes up and kisses Jack. Uh, they see the unicorns are back and playing around, uh, and then there's a slight overlay of darkness, kind of laughing, and that's the end of the movie. Yep, that's it. <laughs> and apparently, like the 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 European cut is mostly the same, except there's a Jerry Goldsmith score. And that overlay with darkness at the end isn't there. There's a different ending where it's like Lily's like, they kind of like decide like, hey, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to go back to my people. And then she goes back home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird that they uh, cut darkness out of the European version. Because usually like in Europe, it's like, oh, we want the darker, more sinister ending. Well, I mean, well, here they implied like, oh, they stay together forever. So I guess it is slightly more darker that like, they decide they're going to split up at the end of the movie. It's like, yeah, Americans won't accept that. So I guess the only capitulation is like, yeah, but darkness looms on and us all. <laughs> looms in from space. He watches from space. I'm waiting for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a lot of cool imagery, but like. Oh, yeah, this movie of... looks amazing. You can yeah. just turn the sound off and watch it. And it's like, this is cool. <laughs> The soundtrack's kind of cool. It's another Tangerine Dream soundtrack. You gotta like yeah, those. Yeah. yeah, I forget the song at the end. It's kind of ridiculous, but I feel like this is, it's just one of those weird 80s songs that's kind of meant to be hopeful or something. That was written for the movie and performed by a guy. Yeah. Because um, they shot it, the video with like the screen behind him and he was just singing the song and it was just like different takes from the movie. 
Yeah. So if you watch it on YouTube, it's a weird experience. It's like they don't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, Apparently, there's somebody from Pink Floyd does like the the, the guitar solo. Oh, in that yeah. Video. <laughs> they were at Pinewood Studios shooting in the 007 stage, and it caught on fire, and then they had to move to Shepperton Studios, which yep. is in a different place. But they just kind of shot like on the grounds there. They have like some wooded areas, and so that's just where they shot the rest of the movie. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. I went to Google Maps to like look up Shepperton Studios, and you can like walk through the campus and all the area. Oh, cool! <laughs> it's, it's, it's really neat because <laughs> it's like little and like it's like really expanded because there's like old brick buildings because this this Shepperton Studio has been around since uh, for 91 years, like back when it was doing like just broadcast production and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, so they got old brick buildings, which I have to imagine are either just like, um, like probably administrative stuff now, or maybe like just like, it's like just the, like the legal department like management yeah, yeah. And stuff. Yeah, grounds management. Uh, but it's huge. It's like a campus. There's like even like little stores. Like here's a place that does like, here's where all the, all the lenses are, and there's like little production companies all over the place. There's one, there's one building. It's just where they have all the wood for everything, and it's a whole company that's like a wood company. It's like, oh yeah, well they're building all these huge studios. Like they have like there's really small like kind of like warehouse studios that are kind of like the um like the half oval thing and it's like okay this is like a one-story story and then they have like a newer one that's like four stories tall and it's like okay that's where they're doing like the big stuff yeah <laughs> and then i did and it's not as you know also like i like i don't know who took the google map video of it but they had to have been on a bike because they're like surrounded by cars and there's like of course it's europe so like everything is like super narrow and <laughs> not meant for cars <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. And I also went over to the Pinewood Studios on Google Maps, but it doesn't have as it's not as comprehensive as as this one. But I, I was able to see the the 007 stage, which is I'm not sure if it's the same one or they just renamed it. it is huge. It is like eight stories tall. They build sets in there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it was called the uh, Albert R. Broccoli 007 Studio after they built it or built rebuilt it. There's also like an Orson Welles like like soundstage at Shepperton Studios. They got like a, 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 they got a, um like a theater there and same thing with the, like, I mean, Pinewood's even bigger, but it was, uh, it was just a really neat to, to see that on Google maps. Like I wasn't expecting it because <laughs> they have like, you know, it's like, here's the armed guard station where it's like, they have to let people in. It's like, ah, they let the, they let the Google map guy. <laughs> yeah. And then you can see like probably where they shot, legend where it's just like oh yeah there's just a forest area in the backyard <laughs> it's not yeah, you know they made it sound like it was like kept up and it was like a part of the studio but it's literally just like oh they, they just got some woods back there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yep. is why the movie like becomes like very zoomed in later on because you know that opening scene it's like okay you can, it's still like a forest built in a studio but they make it look very big as as best they can but then later on, it's just like everybody's just like behind a tree trunk, which they becomes very zoomed in and later on in the movie because they they like lost those sets like like four days in the production um, or very early on, at least. Um, but apparently they're only delayed by three days when they just moved it over to Shepperton to, to film. Huh. Well, that's good. At least they didn't. Yeah. I mean, it was a you know, $25 million movie. Yeah, in in early '80s bucks, 
It's that great looking yeah. movie, but not like, uh, you know, the most amazing. It was one yeah, of many it, movies of this time. Because there's another one. What was the other one called? Uh, uh, what was the one with David Bowie was in it? Maybe it wasn't oh, crap. David Bowie. Yeah. That's with the puppets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like Dark Crystal or something? No, it was the other one. Let me look. There's there's a list of movies like this that came out that I had. Oh, Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, there was there was, a, there was so many movies like this. <laughs> yeah, I think La- I think Labyrinth was done with like the uh, who are the puppet people. Oh, the Henson Group. Yeah, yeah, that was done with them. Well, it was Jim movies. Henson at the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's uh, yeah, no, there's a lot to look at in this movie, but not a lot yeah, to yeah. love. Yeah, it was. There's a there's a fun like Ebert review where he's like basically says like isolated all these all these elements are great but for some reason they just don't come together. <laughs> it's just not enough story. That's the problem. Yeah. And it's it, again, it's just the story is just a vehicle to propel the special effects. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it seems like they had an idea or two, but you know I think I think this is something that got tossed around quite a bit. And it's like, well, let's make a movie. Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> uh, and it has relatively like low scores on, you know, it's got like a six on Internet Movie Database and like a, you know, I think it's like a, like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. But again, that's aggregated scores and only like modern stuff. It doesn't necessarily, they're not necessarily going back in time to get all the, the uh, reviews from them but it is kind of a cult classic now where it's just because it does have great imagery and stuff like that and there is that new extended cut and audio commentary and stuff that exists out there so yeah so stuff for all you legend heads out there oh yeah get into it (laughs) go deep be a legend yeah again it's Uh, not not it's not a bad movie it's just not uh, I don't know. It's it's like a lot of those things. Like you know, it, it's like you try to imagine like, well, if they did this in modern times, like how would it be or what would it be? And it's like, well, they did that with the Dark Crystal. It didn't work out very well because <laughs> I remember they made the Dark Crystal into a TV series, and uh, nobody really liked it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a weird story. It was weird in the eighties. It's weird now. Uh, this is kind of the same same thing i think they'd have come up with a more elaborate story i mean this is these are things that would now work as like a series on a streaming service yeah it's like you could actually make like a whole story like who are the fairies and what is the yeah Greek there'd be lore man? which is all that stuff is cut out here i mean literally all the lore is in the the um the uh title scroll or the 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 scroll scrolls the scroll at the front of the movie it's like there's like it introduces the character says what's going on like you just don't you don't get any of that naturally in the movie it's just a lot of like fast cutting to things happening yeah and not a lot of exposition there's no there's no exposition in this movie really and no sense of like things look big but no sense of scale or where things are to each other because everything seems to be both five feet away and a, and a thousand miles away yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't capture that grandeur of like the mines of moria or something you know? <laughs> which you'd think is almost the world they're in it's like oh this is the underworld it must be huge and it's like well it is and it isn't you know <laughs> so that big big hallways small rooms you know one of those places <laughs> and, and it was a and it was interesting year for tom cruise like this comes out and a month later top gun comes out and then like in october or november the color money comes out which really you think that would make do you think 
post Top Gun would make that like a hugely successful movie, but like that only made like fifty million. But yeah, um, but that was also like in a, a time where Martin Scorsese is really scrabbling for, <laughs> for <laughs> scrabbling around for getting to get movies made. So yeah, Martin Scorsese's Wilderness era, <laughs> <laughs> which I think I think it was really like Cape Fear that kind of brought him back. It's like yeah, I guess we should get him to make movies. <laughs> yeah, he makes pretty good movies. <laughs> With Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, it would be everything I have. But yeah, again, there's an Arrow video release, so if you want to find that. <laughs> uh, you're not going to get it today, but I was looking up and like, damn, these prices for, for these are pretty good. This is like $20 DVD with all these extras that I forgot. It's Black Friday, and they have like 50% off on the oh. DVDs. Because <laughs> it was weird, because I think I looked for the DVD on Amazon. They didn't have it. It's like, that's kind of weird. Is this one of those, like, lost movies where they only have it streaming and it's like oh it's arrow got the rights to it so because again like the extended edition wasn't available for like america they had like the region 2 dvd on amazon (laughs) they'll sell it to you (laughs) you fully aware that you're not going to know the difference (laughs) they write region 2 right on it you got to know that won't work in your dvd player in america yeah that's always fun I mean, you can make it work, but you know, you're going to be frustrated the first time you do that. <laughs> Have you ever accidentally like bought a region two? No, DVD I or specifically look for that. Okay. <laughs> because all my DVD viewing is done on this computer, and I can't like go in and pop chips off or run bypasses <laughs> or something on a new computer. So. Well, anyways, if you like Buddy Hood, it heard, and how couldn't you? You can find us at anchor.fm slash Verhoeven Effect, or you can go to verhoeveneffect.com. You can rate our podcast on your platform of your choice and rate us whatever you want. The only thing the algorithm listens to is the highest rating. So remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. We have listener support at anger.fm slash forever effect where you can support us by either 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Um, and quit anytime, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can find us at Twitter at Verhoeven Effect for as long as that's a thing. Uh, you can find us at Facebook at Verhoeven Effect. You can find us on YouTube at American Greed Factory. You can both watch both that show and this show live and unedited. And you can get t-shirts at blowthecollar.com slash greed factory. And at some point, there will also be the Verhoeven Effect t-shirt, which just says VHE on there and doesn't say Verhoeven Effect. So get ready to not explain it to anybody. Yep. <laughs> Because I was debating, like, should I just write Verhoeven effect on there so everybody knows exactly what it is? And, like, that's just going to bring up questions. Yeah. <laughs> if they add, if they bother to ask, explain it, but or don't, <laughs> or just be like, ah, it's a, it's a in the room thing. It's like three. Well, also, with the with the Dameron font, it's weird because also the V almost looks like an upside down delta. So you know, maybe we'll see. We'll see how confused everyone gets. So. But I like the way it looks. So. All right. So for for the Barrel Effect podcast, I'm Conlon. I'm Nathan. Goodbye, America.